Just before we welcome up several um, individuals to share testimonies of how the Hotsons have impacted them, I just wanted to share the scripture for this morning. I could not get it out of my head or heart as I was praying for this morning and feels like such an apt uh, scripture really for us. We prayed through it already this morning in our prayer meeting, but here it is. Um, it's Paul the Apostle. He's um, sailing uh, uh, on the way to Jerusalem, and I think it's his third missionary journey. Long story short, he stops by, and he has a final visit with the elders at Ephesus, a church he had helped to establish, and it's a really like warm uh, moment, and he's really encouraging them, and then he sends them. But I just couldn't get this image out of my mind, so I wanted to share it with us to kind of frame this morning a little bit. And I'm just going to take a few of the verses from Acts 20. Paul's speaking to the Ephesian elders. He says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then this mental image just can't get it out of my mind from verse 36. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down, with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And then they accompanied him to the ship. And this is a real moment where we celebrate what God has done. In just a minute, Paul and Kate, I think, or just Paul, I'm not sure, will be, and Kate will be really just celebrating what God has done and, and charging, commissioning us to continue the good work. And then we will bid them farewell. And we will, uh, with tears, I'm sure, um, really embrace them and send them to do God's work over in the UK. Without further ado, Stephen Kaz, are you starting for us this morning? Who's sharing testimonies first? Yes, I think it is you two. We'll share, there's going to be four couples sharing testimonies just of the wonderful impact the Hudson's have had on their lives as they've been ministering in Steelys and beyond. Thank you. Uh, Sorry, there was some miscommunication, so Kaz has prepped a prophetic dance for us. (laughs) Everyone in favor of her still doing the dance with... Is there someone on sound who can just cut the mic when Steph has it? Um, the thing that came to mind is quite an arbitrary story, but hopefully it illustrates the principle. Um, I was thinking back to a time that we went away with you guys. It was when we went to Clainby, and we just had tons, and she was just a little piece of perfection, this cute little creature. Still is. And um, she did something naughty. And characteristically, and um, and I sort of said to her something like, "I'm counting to three. and Paul was like, "Why?" And I was like, "To give her a chance to correct." And he was like, "No, why would you do that?" And I was like, "What? What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, you're just teaching her that she only has to obey on three. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's true, you know." And um, it wasn't really a, it, it wasn't really about parental wisdom so much as it was about a friendship where you guys are willing to speak the hard truths. You speak the truth in love, but you have the courage to actually bring wisdom and correction. Don't smile like that and don't make me cry. Stop it. Stop it. And um, actually, I think that's an increasingly rare thing in friendships. I think people don't speak truth. They don't they don't bring hard truths, and it's something that you guys have always done with us, and I think we have always done with you, and we've boxed a bit, um, and it's, it's been love, 
And I just, I so value that you guys love people enough to speak the truth in love, um, whether they've asked for it or not. <laughs> and uh, it's certainly blessed us um, in our parenting and in our lives. Yeah, yeah I think, um, I don't know, I, if I was in this position and we were, you know, um, transitioning, I think something of um, my measure looking back over years would be to see uh, and look for evidence of transformed lives. Um, and in Kaz's example, what happened there was something that changed the way we parented. And it was as a result of you guys moving towards that. Uh, another example I can think of is um, is Kaz and I were having one of our rare fights. And um, <laughs> it, was in, it was in the early days of trying to figure a few things out. And... Uh, um, and so it was a bit of back and forth. And anyway, um, uh, Kaz found the courage to come and share some stuff with me. And I was trying to be mature and be like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, okay, yes, let me take this down. But inside I was like, no, no, that's wrong. Uh, but I was like, yes, yes, and um, defending myself already. And then with great maturity, I said, I'll go away and pray about it. And uh, I'll, um, I'll take it to Paul and just... <laughs> And I took it there, and I was like, yeah, Paul's going to back me, and I shared these things, and he was like, yeah, I mean, if you're telling, uh, if what you're saying is true, it sounds like you're right, but I think what you've got to do is you've got to go and say sorry. I'm like, what? I think you have to go and apologize and ask her for forgiveness. And I'm like, why? You just said you think I'm right. And, um, and his response was, you've allowed it to get to this point where these things have, and that's a reflection of your leadership. And I'm like, it's not what I was hoping for. And it transformed, um, it transformed the way we interacted and we dealt with stuff off the back of that advice. And um, I think from the basis of the friendship that we've had, um, there are these moments that we can trace back where you and your contribution in our lives has shaped and formed us and transformed us. And it's largely been informed by the gospel. Um, and so we're so grateful for it, and we're um, we're shaped and formed, and the better for knowing you guys. Uh, Sarah and PD, there you go. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to water. <laughs> we wrote it in letter form because of this. <laughs> so we're just going to read it. <laughs> Dear Paul. Kate, Esther, Nathan. Oh, okay, wait. <laughs> Josh, um, Daniel, <laughs> and Anna. Life with you guys is like a movie. Plot twists, full of energy, and romantically joyous. 
we are well aware that if we had to try and thank you for everything that you guys have done for us, you would most certainly miss your flight to the UK, which, by the way, we would be totally okay with. <clears throat> but for now, we will attempt to scratch the surface of the mountains of gratitude that we have for you all. My journey with you guys started a bit like this. Um, so my journey of saying thank you to you guys sounds something like this. Sorry. <laughs> Kate, thank you for letting me into your home in the middle of a pandemic and giving me a bed and three hearty meals every day. Thank you for making me a care package on my longest road home. And thank you for celebrating me to the very last when I got back. Oh, and then you opened your home again. <laughs> uh, you were a, mo- a mother to both Sarah and myself. We were absolutely loved when we were at some of our lowest points. Dearest Kate, you are my hero. I've so loved how we seemingly have equal amounts of identical character traits and complete differences. (laughs) Thank you for being a friend and a mum through them all. You have taught me more than than you will ever know. And if I can be half the mother you are, I will be elated. Annabeth, where's Annabeth? There she is. Thank you for all the dance parties in front of the TV and stopping them to find out how my day was. And thank you for being so super excited about getting up in the morning with funny music and dancing. Thank you for helping Auntie Sarah to get ready in the morning and driving with her to school. Paul and Kate, thank you for all the late night conversations early in our relationship when we had no idea what we were doing and desperately needed your wisdom and counsel. We know that it wouldn't, um, it would have been much easier for you guys to go to bed after long days, but instead, every time you gave us the strength that we needed to carry on. And if we have anyone other than God to thank for our deeply wonderful, joyous, and fulfilling marriage, it is you too. Paul, thank you for the fatherly time we could have during building projects. Thank you for the last-minute office chats where you said something like, PD, go for it. It won't be easy, but you have to do it. Paul, thank you for not being... I have to do this better. Paul, thank you for not being in the laundry room with me when we were not emotional, definitely not talking about women and the struggles that we definitely did not have with him. (laughs) Those were some of the, I have been some of the most transformative moments in my life. I'm married now. And Paul, thank you very much for marrying us. (laughs) Paulo, thank you for everything. Um, you'd be nothing short of a father to me. Thank you for your honesty, your counsel, your untimely jokes, <laughs> and your radical <laughs> personal generosity, both financially and with your time. You created a space for me in this church to flourish and explore all that God has called me to, and I'll be forever grateful for this. Nathan, you legend. Inside he is like, Uncle Pudi. <laughs> Thank you for um, cutting through grown-up nonsense and stress with your sharp wit. Thank you for all the laughs we have, like, literally all the time. 
It is an absolute delight to talk with you about anything to do with adventure, weird and wonderful worlds, and the fantastical. Just anything, really. You have such a wonderful way of connecting and relating to people. Auntie Sarah and myself have come to grow a deep respect for you and how you have grown as a young man. Yes, to Rose. <laughs> Thank you for how kind and caring you are. Even when you were a lot long, younger, your kindness and willingness to help um, where you can always shone through. Thank you for letting me sleep in your bed the night that Petey left for Namibia for the first time. And thank you for how special you made that space for me with a sign saying that you'll be there for me and <laughs> everything's going to be okay on your little whiteboard. Um, I know that when you have your own home one day, you're going to make people feel so special and so loved. Daniel, <laughs> you're a kind young man. You're able to turn anything into a compliment if you see Auntie Sarah took slight offense to something being said. <laughs> Kicking a ball or playing cricket outside was always the absolute best because it is a privilege to share in a passion of yours. I remember talking to you about footballers and business and what you want to do one day, and I was just surprised by how smart and mature you were. I will always enjoy our chats and kicking a ball with you, and I will always enjoy the many hours of homework that we crushed. Joshi, you are an absolute delight of... <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you're an absolute delight of a human being. Thank you for always being honest about what you think about my hair and my nails, even when I didn't ask. Thank you for teaching me that any day can be the best day ever if something fun happens, like getting some chips from the Boros Quick Spa. Best day ever. <laughs> Thank you for reading um, your Afrikaans homework stories to me so diligently. It may not correlate to anything that was actually written on the page, but it never failed to give me a good laugh. <laughs> Joshi, where shall I start? Hey, with cards, golf, Monopoly, oh, sorry, Monopoly deal, exploding kittens, top trumps, or shall we rather go outside, play some uh, football, no, maybe cricket, uh, maybe baseball rather? Or shall we just go to the trampoline? And I think we might end it with Fortnite or maybe Minecraft, right? But then you would say, no, we have to end this with bedtime stories. And of course, in the morning, we need to start it all over again with some music and dancing. My dude, I'll never forget all those times that we had together and all the things that we've done. And I'll always be game again for all those things. You're such a champ. In conclusion... Thank you for the innumerable amount of things that you guys have done for us as a family. We know that uh, having people stand up here and thank you publicly has, has never been the goal of why you have poured out your life so sacrificially to us in our community. We know that the way that you have served us is driven by your passion for partnering with Jesus in taking ground for the everlasting kingdom. And in that breath, we want to say thank you for loving us fiercely and letting us into every nook and cranny of your life. You have formed us into people um, who we aim to model our lives after you. The next community that you step into has no idea of the size of the lottery that they have just won. And our prayer is not only for the future impact that you will have in the UK, but also that 
but also that the people in this unique, authentic community that you have created will continue to carry and nurture a culture of people who loves Jesus and one another fiercely with authenticity in their brokenness and vulnerability. All our love, your sixth and seven children, Pidi and Sarah. Paul and Kate, um, I'm not the most emotional guy, but I was prepping this week at a coffee shop and then suddenly I was tearing up and uh, it was probably allergies or something, I'm not too sure, but it was a little bit awkward. Um, it's such a privilege to stand up here. Uh, the impact that you guys have had on many people's lives is astounding, so it's, it's really a privilege to be able to honor and celebrate you and uh, it's obviously with deep sorrow that we see you go, um, but at the same time with such joy that we experienced uh, the type of moments that we had with you guys. Um, I remember um, the day the announcement was made um, of who was going to come and lead this community back when it was New Gen. And we had gone early, and you guys were on worship, and I saw you, and I was like, oh, please may it be them. <laughs> and looking over this journey together, guys, um, I would still say that. Um, and it's just been such a joy serving with you. And um, I, can, I know I can say that because we've been through highs and lows together. Um, and your love for us and this community has been unwavering um, and just really, really beautiful. Um, Kate, um, you have always been so authentic in yourself. You've never tried to be anybody else but who God has made you and designed you. And you've always drawn me to him to, um, yeah, um, just in your authenticity and your love for me, you've always inspired me in my walk with Jesus. Um, Something that um, I really cherish about you is when you say you're praying for me. I know a part of your heart is given into those prayers. Um, And when your faith is interceding for me and my family, and that is just something I will always hold dear to me. Thank you. Paul, um, we've known each other a while, from school days when I used to play drums on your band, um, to working with you for a bit in the plumbing and actually now just aldering together. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. And uh, I'm just, yeah, just reflecting on our relationship. And in many ways, uh, I see you as a type of father uh, in my life. And uh, just the way that you love, care, support, um, the way that you, yeah, just that impact on my life is something that I'll never forget. Um, the way that you've cultivated and you um, have had a really kind of dominant effect on the man that I am today. So I really want to just appreciate you for that. And um, yeah, we walked through some hard roads together. And I just want to thank you for always lifting my eyes towards faith and my eyes towards the Father and towards his love and his care. And uh, I actually just want to highlight to probably one of the two of the most meaningful moments uh of my life with you and um in these moments i just want to uh highlight two characteristics of a shepherd you know god's called you to be a shepherd in his church and these are just two uh characteristics that i've seen in you and as i share them i really want to 
uh, tell you how grateful I am for them, but at the same time, as we send you out, is to encourage you to continue to live that way, uh, to continue to live in these characteristics. So the first one is the courage of a shepherd, um, the courage of, the, of a shepherd. And um, I know, as I mentioned this moment, it was a really tough moment for you, one of the hard, probably one of the hardest leadership moments that you've gone through. And uh, a few years ago, when, when Bates and Johannes were welcomed into eldership, we were also... Um, kind of on that track and uh, you and Ollie just through some time in prayer felt that the timing wasn't right for us and uh, um, at the end of that there was there was a no in a sense to our journey towards eldership and I just want to encourage you and and thank you for the courage of that no uh, and I, I can imagine that it wasn't easy but that that no in the moment was one as we look back one of the biggest blessings that God has done for us uh, in our lives. And, uh, so I just really want to encourage you for that and, and encourage you to continue to take courage in the nose of the Lord. You know, if I can call it like that, it's just seeing what is God saying and you're going to stick to it, even if it's hard and it's not easy. Um, so firstly, the courage of a shepherd, secondly, the care of a shepherd. And, um, yeah, about a year ago, just in the midst of one of the toughest things I've faced in my life, um, you were very tentative to where I was at and took an afternoon off, dropped what you were doing just to spend time with me, pray with me, met with me. Uh, we had lunch together by the East River and uh, just processing with me. And it's just an amazing uh, thing. And I, I just was, as I was reflecting upon it, I was, and, and it has been said before, but you, you're you not afraid to lean into hard moments. And uh, I really want to just thank you for that. And um just really call you to more there, to, to continue to lean into the hard moments that God um, takes you in. And it's just um, the people that you experience that with will be eternally grateful. So really just thank you for that. Um, and I just want to say that we are so excited for that others get to experience this. Like we're so grateful for the experiences we've had with you and we're so excited that others will get to experience that. And uh, I just felt kind of two key things that I want to just share with you um, as I was praying this morning. And actually one of them was just in prayer this morning. And the the first one is um, about your kids. And I was just reminded that our God is a generational God. He's a God of genealogies. And we often think, okay, well, you know, three three months down the line, what are, what are you guys going to be doing in March or June? Or what's God going to have me doing? And I just think, God's thinking, you know, 50 years down the line. He's thinking about your kids and their families and their grandchildren and the work that he's going to be doing through in generations to come. So I just want to encourage you with that to that our God has a has a perspective in that way and we can so often narrow it to just our own lives and our own experiences but God's looking 2 300 years down the line and the impact that that this move is going to have on the UK. So I want to encourage you with that and then um I know this road isn't easy and uh, it's it's tough and you guys have had hard moments and uh, I just wanted to share this very short verse. It's uh, Psalm 56 verse 3. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Dead simple. But I just want to encourage you as you're feeling moments, maybe it's discouragement or fear. Um, as you leave, I mean, even today, as you, you know, this moment of leaving, but also as you get to the UK, and maybe this fear that starts to arise is when I'm afraid, I trust in the Lord. And um, 
I couldn't stand up here without quoting John Piper, but um, <laughs> he speaks about basically this car that's driving and there's mud that's flown on the windscreen. And uh, in that moment, you can feel the sense of fear, like why, why, almost like the mud is the scenario that's distracting you. And there's one response which can be, oh, I don't, I, clearly I don't have the, the faith to kind of do this journey. And the other response is acknowledging that the enemy wouldn't throw the mud, wouldn't have thrown the mud in the first place if you didn't know that you were doing something that's impactful and if you didn't know that you were on the right road. So I just want to encourage you, and he just speaks about hang, holding on to faith as you turn the windscreen wipers on and you're trusting in God to be able to um, kind of clear your vision again. So when I'm afraid, I put my trust in the Lord. Guys, you've been such a um, beacon of strength for us, and I know going forward, um, you're going to touch so many more lives like that, and so many lives in this room today that I know would love to have spoken words today. So thank you. We love you, and we're really going to miss you guys. Hey guys, Nath, I think those jean pants are outlawed in 52 different countries, really. <laughs> but uh, thanks so much, guys. Um, trying, to, trying to lighten the mood here, otherwise it's going to be a drizzle fest. So, um, baby, do you want to go? This morning, Kate and I were talking absolute garbage to each other just to try and get our minds off everything. And then I went around the corner and Ollie was just bawling. <laughs> So, I actually feel sick, guys. Like, I'm, I'm not going to look this way. And where's Robin? I can't look at Robin either. I'm going to look somewhere here. Okay. There is so much to say, and at the, and I have to read it. Sorry, because there's no ways I can just say this. There is so much to say, and at the same time, no way to actually articulate everything that you guys mean to us. Both of you have been incredibly loving and supportive friends to Ollie and I. We've gone through tough seasons and tough situations. And you have both shown so much care, checking in on us, praying with us, walking long roads with us. We have felt so loved and accepted and carried, and we are so grateful. This has been in a leadership sense as well. What an incredible blessing and privilege to lead with and be led by a couple that have become our dearest friends. Whew. Okay, I'm going to divert quickly because when, when others were talking, um, they mentioned how you guys gave them hard truths, and it just reminded me how you guys have been gentle with me and that's what I needed and I just think that's so special and just how it just shows wisdom and discernment so it's not like a hard and fast rule but you you know people and you know how they need to to be led and handled um it's been so easy to trust you as leaders to feel safe in the decisions that you and the eldership team and wives make together and I don't say that lightly we all human humans make mistakes and make wrong decisions but with your transparency and all the prayer and discussions and deliberation that goes into big decisions, it has been so easy to follow you. How you parent your kids has been an inspiration in so many ways. The way that you love each of them dearly and intentionally and uniquely in the ways that they need to be loved, it is beautiful and encouraging to see. And the way that you love our kids, especially Kai, has really touched our hearts and we are so grateful. This is really hard. I should have kept going. Okay. My friendship with you, Kate, is so incredibly special. 
You're the most wonderfully genuine, authentic, honest, non-judgmental, hilarious friend. Can we all take a moment to remember when, when Kate did the, when she hosted the meeting a few weeks ago, it was like stand-up comedy by the second. <laughs> and my best was when we got to the slide for camp and Kate was like, I'm not calling it church camp, it's family camp. And I just pictured the behind the scenes or the planning of we've got to call it church camp because if, it's, if we say family, it's, and there was like all this admin and then Kate just chucks it out the window. Um, but that's you and your humor and you are so precious. You are so precious. Um, yeah, as church leaders, it is so evident that God is in this and orchestrating everything. But I have to say that as friends, I'm actually still not okay with this whole leaving thing. You guys are irreplaceable as friends and as church family, and we're going to miss all of you, all of you, all you guys, so much. Um, yeah. So I was just reflecting on this scripture, Proverbs 4, verse 18, for the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And so um, to answer... How have Paul and Kate and their family impacted our lives? Is a bit like asking, how has the sun impacted our lives? You guys have been there with a constancy that has been as comforting as the sunrise each morning. When you put up your hands and responded to God's call to come and lead this church in a season where she was floundering without a dedicated full-time leader... It was like a sunrise, bringing the hope of a new day and a new season. And so you came, and though you were young and inexperienced, you built, not as some technocrats coming to fix the plumbing, <laughs> um, bringing the latest church growth strategy. That was a joke. Well, Paul's plumbing, uh, plumbing history, by the way. You can laugh. Um, <laughs> but you came as shepherds building a flock, as a mom and dad building a family, and when I think, sorry, which I think is much closer to the biblical picture of church leadership. And so Paulo, the predominant word, and, and Nathan mentioned it, that comes to mind when I think of you as a shepherd. You and Kate have followed Jesus' example and loved and laid your lives down for this flock. As Jesus said, and I'll call you friends, to serve with you and lead with you and under you has been to become your friends. To be welcomed into your home, into your hearts and family. And we are so grateful and so blessed and enriched by that. Some things that stand out, your authenticity. You have set us free by your courage and willingness to be you, to lead with both your strengths and weaknesses. Showing that we can safely bring who we are into the mix of God's redeemed and redemptive community without fear or shame. Your generosity, everyone's mentioned it, there is a largeness about you guys, a grace that invites people in, that makes people feel safe and valued. And a heart of blessing and affirmation that both meets people where they're at and calls them and calls forth the deep deposits of gifting and beauty that God has put there. You've led faithfully and firmly, but never restrictively, which is a beautiful balance. Your heart for God and your prayerful care are an incredible blessing. You have shepherded us and been our friends through some of the deepest valleys of our lives. And we just thank God for you. Nearly there. <laughs> 
Ja, Paula, on auch many prayer walks, which I have cherished, up walking along the Easter River and in the vineyards. You have poured into me comfort and strength, encouragement and affirmation, love and prayer, honesty and vulnerability that have helped and enabled me to continue walking with God. I shudder to think where I'd be if you'd not been there. Thanks be to God for His grace. You guys have this amazing way of being unreservedly for people and desiring and affirming God's best for them, which is both liberating and inspiring. And so to end, we're not sure what life's going to be like without you present here with us, but what can we do but trust the same God who displayed his goodness in bringing you here to continue to display his manifold goodness to you as a family, as you venture into the unknown and all that comes with that, he will be good to you. To the people he's sending you to, they're going to be the happy beneficiaries of the grace and the gift that you guys are, all of you, as they live in much darkness and need of a new dawn. And to us, one hope, as God brings new gifts, new leadership, and new friends to faithfully give his church what she needs to continue to grow into the next season. And so we trust ourselves to his goodness in all of it. And so just to end, a quote from Dallas Willard, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. So thank you for inspiring us with your example, Paul and Kate and family. We love you guys. Amen. If your eyes are still dry, do you have a heart? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Can we stand uh, just for a minute as Paul makes his way up? He's going to share with us now. I'll just ask us to stand. Um, and uh, you can just close your eyes. Paul's going to make his way up. And I want us to just take a moment as these uh, folk have testified of the impact of the Hotons on their lives. Um, I want us to take a moment and just in your mind and in your heart, thank God for the people he has put in your life. Just take a moment to honor them and thank God in the quietness of this moment. I'm sure there are people and names that are coming to mind and you're just so grateful how these people have stepped into your life at different moments. And so my encouragement to you is go and say thank you. And maybe it's after this meeting, a quick WhatsApp, but just a thank you and an appreciation and an honoring for how they've been faithful, just as the Hotsons have been so faithful in many of our lives. And with that, you can grab a seat. I'm going to pray for you, Paula, and then we'll preach. Thank you, Father, for the gifts of your love and kindness and your spirit and the gifts you've put in us as your children to serve. Thank you for the gift of leadership, of a shepherd you've put in Paul, and the gifts you've put in Kate, of just loving mother and all the kids, Father, as we see them come to life. We praise you for them, and we just come and sit under your word now. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hello, one hope. One more time, I'm going to say this in this place. Hello, one hope. You know what my predominant thought is as my friends are sharing testimonies? Can't wait to meet those guys. Like, when people share testimonies and you're like, is that really us? Is that what God's done? Um, it's going to call Kate. She's going to start off with a poem that she wrote, and then I'm going to take us through photos from 100 years ago. <laughs> Hello. Um, so, due to my propensity to go off piste, I have prepared something. Um, I obviously, even if I were Greek, would have run out of words for how I'm feeling this morning. Um, so, I did what any of us would do, and I wrote a poem. Um, and uh, <laughs> apparently, I'm about to tear it. <laughs> um, okay. So, as context, most of you will have either known from my mouth or picked up on the fact that I wasn't born with a, a kind of affinity towards becoming a pastor's wife. Um, and so when it became obvious that that was, in fact, the next step in our lives back in, I don't know, 2014, 14, um, I remember a moment when I was on my lounge floor in Somerset West um, asking Jesus some questions. As I sat on the floor in the lounge that day, I didn't quite get the beauty that lay ahead of us as we took his hand, let him lead us to a slightly different land. I didn't know then that leading a church wasn't actually a case of being lurched into power and position, expectations unmet, but rather of obedience, of serving and letting him be him and people be people, for community is certainly not a a tower and a steeple. Not perfect cathedral buildings and glass windows stained, rather it's visceral experience of love, joy and pain. It's a place where we, his sheep, learn his voice. It's somewhere to accept that we have a choice. Do we take what we've heard and run away and try to find better answers that where no real answers lie? Do we live our lives as a goal to be achieved, to gain honor and glory ourselves as we heave ourselves up the mountain that we have created, desperately trying to avoid being hated for the lies that we tell ourselves to survive in the hostile places where the enemy thrives? Or do we seek him and throw ourselves at his feet? Do we trust him and love him and let him meet us right where we are, warts and all, be put up on his shoulders where we too can stand tall on what he already accomplished on that wonderful cross, not for some, not even most, but for all of us? Do we see the church for what she is, a tool in the hands of a God who means business? See, he's in the business of restoring lives, of capturing hearts, of healing minds. He uses his church to rehome the broken, to to massage in truths that they've never heard spoken. He loves unconditionally, always quick to forgive, teaching us carefully how now we should live. He rescues the sheep that have gone to the places where no answers lie. He pursues and he chases us down until we hear what he has to say. He loves us forever and wants us to obey him because he knows that when we lay down our lives, we will find them and love them and not have to strive to be accepted for exactly who we are, but rather we can relax into the arms of the Father. So, going back to the floor in our lounge that day, all that I'm really trying to say is that I know now leading a church wasn't about power or position. 
It wasn't reserved for the perfect or those on a mission to make a name for themselves and their new poem or book, but rather it has been the most privileged look into what God is doing in the lives of others, how he tends to his sheep, making us all sisters and brothers. We all get to be his hands and his feet, but I'll thank him always for my front row seat. Let's pray together. Father, like the elders in the book of Revelation, this morning we want to fall before you and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. All glory to your name. All glory to your name, Jesus. For every person celebrated, for every moment remembered, for every grace that we've seen that you've worked in our lives, we say glory to Jesus. We say all power to Jesus, to the unsearchable wisdom of our God. There is none like you, God, in all the earth. None like you in all the earth. Father, would it ring out this morning? You speak in your word where Paul writes and he says, Your testimony has rung out like a bell, like a big metal thing, a gong being smacked with a stick. It's rung out from us. Father, would the testimonies of this church ring out in our town? ring out in a world that's desperately listening for the faintest sound of hope. Father, would it ring out among us. All glory to your name, Jesus. All glory to your name. In Jesus' name. Let's start with a video clip this morning of what it's like to lead um, in a church. Hopefully... It works because one of the things that it is like to lead in a church is technology that has demons. Um, But hopefully it works with some sound. Some of you would remember um, this video from many years ago. And now. I watched, this, I watched that this week and I thought that is the most perfect way to describe church leadership. <laughs> Am I driving? All right? Am I driving? And that's, that's honestly what it feels like. That's what it's felt like. Like God is, God is at work doing these things. It's like, am I driving? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. We're gonna, I'm going to take you on quite a journey this morning of just what God has done in the decades, well, decade and a half in this church, 14 years old right now. And I wanted to start off just by pointing at the glory of God and what he has done. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians about the wisdom of God and how the wisdom of God is absolute foolishness 
to those who are kind of looking in, the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is what he says, verse 21. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching. Say foolish preaching with me. Right? To save. What what an oxymoron. Foolish preaching to save those who believe. He is, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. What kind of power is this, they ask? Jesus on a cross? A God on a cross? Save yourself, Jesus. Get down from the cross, they say. Jews can't accept this gospel, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So, when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Anyone today testify? This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. You look at the world posturing right now in war, showing its strength, bearing its teeth. And God's word said, God's weakness is stronger. God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strengths. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And he's talking about us. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Friends, I wanted to take our eyes back to Jesus, not just because I'm awkward about public attention, I am. Don't know what to do with myself. So I make bad jokes in appropriate times. But I want to take our eyes back to Jesus. I want to remind you of the parable that Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is like a farmer. And whenever I read that, Dad, I think of you. And hello, Uncle Derek and Auntie Roseanne. What a treat to have you guys here with us. I think of my dad and my mom as we grew up farming. And I love the Bible just speaks about farming and fishing so much. But the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, now listen to this, while he's asleep or awake, the seeds sprout and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grape ripens. And as soon as the grape is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Isn't it amazing, that little that little line, while he sleeps? That's what it feels like to lead God's church. It feels like while you're fast asleep, while you're being doff, while you're learning, while you're trying, you're not doing anything all that well, and God is busy producing the most amazing things, doing the most amazing things. And Jesus says that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So I want to simply speak to you. I'm going to just tell stories really this morning. I'm not going to to do a normal preach, um, but I want to tell stories about why we as a family can't wait to do this again. And when I say we can't wait to do this again, I do mean to lead a church 
I do mean to maybe plant a church. I do mean all of those things. But what I really mean, why we can't wait to do this again, is the friendships and the community and the worshipping together on Sunday mornings. We are stood this morning, and as you guys sang about the God is the ancient of days, my favorite thing about standing in front is that I get to hear that, that chorus of voices behind me singing, our God is the ancient of days, none above him, none before him. And I take that in my heart, and I, I treasure it like something that in difficult days that are to come for us, we're going to say, why well, we can't wait to do it again is because of these moments. Right, we can't wait to do this again. And I thought probably the best place to start would be to go right back to the launch, which was in the uh, Rhenish High over the road, 2009 October. And I'm going to show you some faces which may be familiar because they're still in the church. But won't you, won't, won't you throw up the first picture for us? Hopefully these will work because we've got like 99 of them. All right. Who's that little girl in the middle? It's the same girl doing projection today over there. Guys, this is the night, this is the night of the launch in 2009. Look at that little girl. How old were you, Bexie? How old? No, not now, then. (laughs) Six years old. So it's my little Annabeth, almost, right, in that room. Do you recognize this little fella sitting on the right? Who is that? Zach Vindus. I don't know if Zachy is here today. I haven't seen him. Zachy, there's Zach. Over there, gently balding. <laughs> Just like me. On the left is Josiah, who's now studying theology in America. Right? This precious little girl is the one I want to focus on, Rebecca, sitting at our launch. Who could have imagined the journey until now? Look at her. Five years later, as a family, they would move to Indonesia as missionaries. This is their family. They'd send out these pictures to us. Some of us had them on our fridges. Old New Jenners. You remember these? Praying for the Pretorius's in Indonesia. They're still there, her parents. 2021, I think it was, Bexie came back to intern with us. Some of us had the privilege of Bex living in our home for months. This family, the Pretorius family, so many sacrifices made, so much price paid. Jesus is holding Bex. Jesus is loving Bex, and the best part is that Bex is holding on to Jesus and loving him with all her heart. That's the best part. I love, I love being here when Bex comes on a Sunday morning. Doesn't matter what song is playing, she walks in that back door and immediately you just see her begin to worship. Just joins in with whatever song is being sung. The same is true of Zach and Josiah. Jesus is holding them. Jesus is loving him. Look at these boys. All bearded up and manly. <laughs> there was another kid at that launch. Can you show that next picture? Who's that guy? That's the brother. Josh Vindus. This little boy sitting at the launch publicly shared from this exact spot how in 2019 he had wandered so far from God that he came to student camp with drugs in his pocket and in his blood. On the invite of a friend. Hi. He came to know Jesus on that camp in a radical way. We baptized him again. He married Carmen, another one of our new gen returning children. Another one who God brought back. And became such an integral part of this community, those two kids. A couple of years ago, we launched them into lead the calling or to be part of the calling academy in Kronstadt. 
That's where they are now. What about this little dude sitting in the middle? In fact, both those little guys, right? Who is that? <laughs> Gorgeous. And that's 2009, but then this happens. Right? In 2016, and then this happens. I mean, just like that, in the right order as well. And then this happens. And that's, go back one for us. That's Josh Fisher, and you can just see Sandy sticking out. I've had the privilege of leading two generations on this eldership team. Where Josh and Sands eldered with us, I don't know how many years it was, six years, three years, four years? And then Nathan and Mandy eldering with us now. What an incredible privilege. That's them being ordained. And God takes this picture of this little boy, which is so familiar for me. Go to the next one. Thanks, Bixie. Look at these kids on the night of the launch. See little, you can see little Rawson there. You can see Gareth Rule. You can see Pearl and what's his, Colin's little boy, the little redhead. There's loads of pictures. And God takes this little boy and makes him a father in a biological sense, but also makes him a father in this house in a spiritual sense. And just like his father before him, who incidentally, here's another picture, was leading prayer meeting the night of the launch. There the parents are in 2009 serving Jesus. And let me ask you a question. Who could have known the stories and the lives that these young kids would have had? 14 years ago. Who could have known? What about our youth in the room today? You guys under 18 years old. What does God have in store for you? What choices are you going to make? What decisions are you going to make that are going to profoundly impact your life? Don't you love that still every Sunday out this side over now, there's a big old group of boys and girls that still play football every Sunday and whose parents go and have to try and find them and reluctantly they come wandering into worship. Do we have to? And then we wonder what God has stored up for our children now, those little boys and girls. And friends, this is why we can't wait to do this again. This is why, because God works in young lives so powerfully and so transformingly. In fact, God works in old lives so powerfully and so transformingly. Because as we've said so many times, it's become a mantra in this pulpit. Being meaningfully part of a, of a gospel committed community is God's idea of what is good for us. It's God's idea. This is God's idea. And these are not just cute pictures. They are. But they're not just cute pictures. These are snapshots of families that have been part of NewGen for decades, some of these families. These are lives that have been forever changed because of a family's decision to throw themselves into a community of believers. And you know my heart. This is not one hope. This is all the churches of God everywhere. I just want people to be part of them. Think of Joshua chapter 4 and the Israelites crossing over the Jordan River. And Joshua says, take 12 stones and put them there. And then your children are going to ask one day, what are those 12 stones there? And they become remembrance stones where Joshua says, then tell your children about the powerful things that God has done. And these photos, when I looked at them this week, it was much more than nostalgia. It felt like a moment of the Israelites crossing over the Jordan, these stones are, these photos are stones that have been laid down as reminders for families of their Jordan rivers, of what God has done in their lives. They also serve as a reminder for some of 
those children who are still wondering. Some of you in the room today, I know, I saw pictures of your kids this week. And those children haven't been with Jesus and you've been crying out to Jesus. And we want to stand with you in prayer. And these photos are reminders of that. That we stand and we pray as communities. And may Jesus encourage you today that he's not done with your far from Jesus child. He's not done with him. I could show you pictures of Shana. Yeah, Shana Rawson of Kirst Robinson sitting over there. Hello, Jesse. It's good to have you here. Of Kaylin and Devin Rolf and others I hope I haven't forgotten. Just over and over. Children who've been here for 20 plus years. And there's a cry in our hearts, not just about the Hudson family wanting to do it again, but saying, God, will you do it again? Will you do it right now while our kids are siloed off there in some way, busy meeting in that kid's church? You know, we often speak about salvations, and so often we forget how many are being saved there, in those halls, in those meetings. We see your power, God, and we need it to raise up our children. And I love that word that Nathan brought, because this was in my notes about generational. God sees the long-seeing God. It's just writing, God, we need your power to raise up children and then another generation. And then another generation who follow God. And then another generation who know and follow God until Jesus comes and takes us home forever. And that will start a whole family debate. (laughs) Wow, we can't wait to do this again. I want to tell you some personal stories that have been so meaningful for us while we've had the privilege of leading this church. There's so many. I've only got time to share a few I've tried to be prayerful around which ones to share. And just for those who are squeamish in the room, I've I've asked, I don't know if squeamish is the right word, but I've had conversations with people to share some sensitive details to just make sure that they're okay with me sharing them, okay? So you don't have to worry about them. We did do that well. Um, Why we can't wait to do this acclaim. Clive Eggers, where are you? Where are you sitting, son, you and your family? I can't remember when we actually met. I think it was at, I think it was at, at school probably with our kids. We quickly figured out we were close neighbors and we started running together in the, in the forests of Paradise Cliff and having big conversations about God. I don't know. He, he had this knack of asking a question, a big question right at the bottom of the steep hills. <laughs> and I had to try and answer running up. It's very clever. After a few years, we became really good friends. And then one day in 2018, we did this in a, in a June freezing cold pool. What a precious moment to share with a friend. But then last year, I took a phone call from Clavi coming back from the airport that was completely out of the blue for both of us. A call that we both realized meant there was a good chance that his marriage wasn't going to survive. And it started a journey of months of utter heartbreak and devastation for this family. And not just that family, another family as well. Two couples, seven children, an absolute carnage and heartbreak. Many others in this congregation held those involved in incredible ways. I don't know if Ryan and Nats are here this morning, but guys, you were immense in this process. And I've seen you, Clive, my friend, hold on to Jesus in the most incredible ways in the roughest of storms, in ways that many people in this room would never even note that you could feel that those emotions and the rawness of those Emotions And Clavi, I want to say that you have been tested, you have been tried, like they say in that wonderful movie. What was that? I told you I'm going to make jokes when I get emotional. 
And my friend, your life and your faith and your responses to Jesus and your determination to cling to Christ have shone the light of Jesus more than a thousand sermons ever could have said. Right in the middle of this, our family went on sabbatical and I felt like I was abandoning my friend. I remember chatting it through with Clive and we both agreed that God had given us a moment to prioritize my family. And so we had very light contact over the next three months and others picked up those journeys. Three months later, we came back from sabbatical and we came back literally a day or two before that family camp. And I don't think Clive even knows I did this, but one of my most precious moments of pastoring this church was captured on that camp when I looked across the room and I saw Clive worshipping his heart out with, it's the wrong way around, my head. But if you can see above Clive, <laughs> that's Livia's daughter standing next to him. I remember seeing him with tears streaming down his face, hands raised, pouring out his love to Jesus. And I pulled out my phone and I grabbed that sideways picture to commemorate that moment because I wanted a remembrance stone. I don't even know if you remember that. Clive and Olivia, but for me, I just stood there, my heart was pounding, and I, I asked the Lord to let me do this job until the day that I am dead and buried. I was reminded in that moment that there is nothing like Jesus and his church in all the world. Nothing. I wouldn't lead Apple. I wouldn't be the CEO of Google or any other product that is just going to burn anyway. Sorry to the Apple fans. But Clive and your family, you have put such courage in the hearts of those around you as we have watched you work out your faith in fear and trembling, my friend, as we have seen you stand up here and testify to the goodness and the kindness of God through it all. And it didn't end happy. That's not when we share testimonies, only when it ends like we thought it was going to end or like the Christian movie ends. It's still deeply hard and messy. But honestly, it's watching lives like yours that make us say, we can't wait to do this again. And Livy, I know you don't like attention, my girl. But I want to say well done to you. I had a picture. I was praying for you this week, and I had a most beautiful picture of you just sitting next to Jesus in your room. And the thing that was so cool was that you were just sitting completely quiet. He wasn't saying anything to you. You weren't saying anything to him. But there was just the deepest, like, you know that like comfortable friend when you can just sit with a friend that's so comfortable that there's not a single sound. And I just wanted to remind you, my girl, that Jesus is holding you. William, you guys, Jesus is holding you. Little abs, Jesus is holding you. Secondly, we can't wait to do this again. Not just because of the incredible privilege of watching God at work in people's lives in the most difficult times, but also because of God's redeeming grace. That's evident. I I, I literally had a list of about 20, 30 stories that were at the top of my mind that I had to whittle down to one. Just thinking of people that God has redeemed and done wonderful things with in this community. I want to talk to you about Ellie Brand. Where are you, Al? Normally you sit right up here. I don't know what you're doing all the way over there. I don't know if many of you know this, but Ali was orphaned at nine months old. Her parents had a terrible boating accident. 
nine months old. This little girl was passed from pillar to post. And Ali tells me that she comes from a family that has a besetting weakness around insecurities, from grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles, a family lineage of insecurities. And the thing with insecurity is that you can't just decide one day that you're going to stop it. You can't just decide that's it, you're done. When I asked Ali this week if I could share some of this, she said to me, insecurities is the thorn in my side that I have to battle with every day of my life. I don't mind sharing that if it helps anyone else sitting in the room. The thing I love about Ali is she's not wallowing in it. <laughs> she's not saying, oh well, that's just who I am, accept me please. She said to me, the testimony of my life is that she who has been forgiven much loves much. She told me that when her and Johannes have audited the changes in her life and the moments of radical shift, they come from one thing, studying God's word. Reading and reading and reading God's word. Leading women's Bible studies. Teaching. Preaching God's word. Can you imagine how easy it would have been for Ali to retreat and isolate in a safe little bubble? That's what insecurity does. It wants us to sit and just keep our close friends our close friends and leave everybody else. Just by a show of hands, won't you just in the last 12 months, in the last year, if you have been in the brand home, won't you lift your hand in the room? Just have a look around at that alley. In your home in the last 12 months. If that's not a gift of hospitality, I don't know what is. How many of you have been cared for by Ali in meaningful ways in the past year? A coffee, a phone call, a meal when you needed it. Ali, I want you to, to look at what God is doing through your life. I want you to look at Ali as an example of how he is making Isaiah 61 come to life in our midst. You'll speak about that just now because of his power at work in you, Al. Look at how his name is made great as he rewrites family stories and besetting weakness and these things. I prayed for you this week, Al, and I want to share just something I felt the Holy Spirit speak over you. Ali, you are a trophy of grace. A trophy of grace. I felt a very specific line for you. God doesn't tolerate you. That word, tolerate. God doesn't tolerate you. He delights in you. Yes, you. With all your complexities and insecurities and blah, 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 God said that. <laughs> Just messing. You are a bright and shining jewel in a precious king's crown, brought and redeemed by the precious king himself. He found you, he shone you, and he put you in his crown. And it's testimonies like this that we can't wait to do it again. It's Testimony Sunday, two days a year. We just take two Sundays and we just let you take the microphone. It's one of the most dangerous tactics in church history, but we love it. And year after year, that's some of our most, our most meaningful Sundays where people just stand up and share what God has done. How does this happen? Does it happen because Ali and Clive are great? That's your moment to shout no. <laughs> does it happen because Kate and Paul and the elders are amazing? No, it's the appropriate response. This is not of any man. Remember, all of us are the farmer fast asleep while the crops are busy growing outside. 
All of us are living out the unlikely foolish gospel. All of us are leaders driving like the granny saying, am I driving? See, this is because, these stories are because Jesus takes impossible lives and somehow makes beauty from ashes. These stories are because 2,000 years and some change ago, Jesus stood up and opened the scroll of Isaiah and he began to read out of that scroll and he spoke about binding up the brokenhearted. He spoke about giving freedom back to captives. He spoke about pouring out oil of gladness on those who are in the deepest mourning you could imagine. Prisoners, brokenhearted, poor, blind, captive. And then Jesus sat down and said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he declared through that same text in Isaiah, that these mourners, that these prisoners, that these brokenhearted, that these poor, that these blind, that these captive, that these people living among ashes, that those same people would be called what? Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's what it's about. Not, not the, the guys who've got it together. Not the guys who look like they've got it together. Not the ones who never wondered. The ones who are prisoners, they probably did something to get into prison. The ones who are captive, the ones who are on the deepest mourning. He says, all right, I'm going to take those ones. I'm going to take them. And they're going to be made oaks of righteousness. I love that in this town, Stellenbosch, oaks. Clive, are you an oak of righteousness? And they stand like pillars in the church for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Are you hearing me, One Hope? We can't wait to do this again because somehow God partners with men and women all across his church and they get to have the privilege to hold others in the moments of deepest despair and heartache and joy. They get the joy of watching Jesus fulfill these Isaiah promises in those lives. That's the beauty of meaningful community. Who wouldn't want to come to church? So many imperfections in us. So many flawed and hurting people in the congregation, in this congregation. Kate and I, we've been honest about our flaws. But we've clung to Jesus. With you, we've clung like a lifeboat in a desperately tumultuous sea. We've clung to Jesus as the old old hymn writer penned. To the cross of Christ I cling, though but faint my faith may be. You ever feel like that? Yet this doth comfort bring. Jesus holdeth me, holdeth me, he holdeth me, though but faint my hold may be. I love that line. Though but faint my hold may be, yet this doth comfort bring. Jesus holdeth me. And I use the old words because it just makes it so much more profound. Right? We can't wait to do this again because of the announcement guy. There's a guy, I think his name was Ross. All right? Changing gear. I went to a pastor's gathering some years ago, as you do, and a pastor of another church that I'd never met walked up to me and said, do you lead Nugen? Someone said that you lead the church Nugen. I said, well, now it's One Hope, you know, much more cool name, all of that. um, But yes, I do. And he proceeded to tell me an amazing story, and it's a story that I had no part in. I wasn't here yet. This was, I think, under Steph's watch, under Mark's watch, one of the guys. But he told me the most amazing story, and he got to tell me that story, and it marked me, and it's a remembrance stone for me. He told me about a Sunday in Renish Ha where he walked in because he was in love with a girl who was 
you wanted to date her, but she wouldn't date him because he wasn't a Christian. So what do, all, what do guys do? Well, they go to church because the girl's there. But she was coming, and I think she only came for a few weeks. I didn't even I didn't know her. I didn't know her name. Uh, and this guy came into the church. There was worship, and in the announcements, that's why I call him the announcement guy. In the announcements, he gave his heart back to Jesus. He says he can't remember what happened. He doesn't know who preached or what they preached on. He doesn't know what was sung. But somehow sitting in the announcements, the, the part that we all just want to like, you know, we hate the announcements. We all hate them. It's like you've communicated this all week on WhatsApp and email. Why must I now sit for 15 minutes, right? And in the announcements, this guy, I think his name was Ross. We had a testimony video of him. I actually got him to do a video for us. He, was, he said, I felt God call me back home, came from a Christian family, he said, and I, I felt him call me to ministry, and he was leading a church, he leads one of the Josh Jen churches in somewhere, that's why we can't wait to do it again, because God works in the most unbelievable, unexpected ways, just look around at, at someone around you, and just go, you're unexpected, <laughs> right, <laughs> you, you're unusual, <laughs> Right? And then I'm going to give you, I don't, know, I don't know if there's like maybe 50 reasons why we can't do this. We can't wait. Did I get that right? Why we can't wait to do this again. Why don't you just flip through these. Alex's baptism. Alex and Kev. Two sisters. Sarah and Joe. Deb's Basaka. Meg's getting baptized. No idea who they are. I can just see Seb on that side. Right? I've never been able to lift that trophy. It's family camp last year, I think it was. Women's event. The launch of the name of One Hope. 2018, that was. 2020 or 21. This is out in my, my parents' farm in the Karoo. This is all student camps that have been over the years. The fun sulky nights. This was last weekend, I think, our leaders' appreciation. That was one 2018. Just dear friends, some of you in the room today. Many churches coming together in Stelis to pray one evening. Warren, with his flirtatious old grannies, <laughs> preaching at Silver Oaks, and I'm not even kidding, eh? I mean, just just go back and just pause on that. That's it's actually the most most amazing story of a, of a couple. That you remember the blind man who's passed away now, who used to come in at the back on his walker. They always said um, she could hardly hear. So he always said, I'm the ears, she's the eyes. And in COVID, they phoned, and they couldn't get to church. And so they just started one in this old age home, and it's still going. And our guys go there and preach. That's Warren and his grannies. Serve Saturdays. Calling Academy. Mission trips. Oh, pause on that one. Chat, you remember this? This is when we won the amazing race and we never got the trophy. But I had a friend with me, 
And there was this, there was this one task where you had to eat, it was two kgs of peanut butter as, as four of you, right? It's a men's amazing race. And we finished this thing in record time. It was unbelievable. It's still the standing record, Sarah, I'll have you know. And we got back in the car and I was, I just said, guys, well done. I do not know how we did that. And Gert just starts giggling. And I said, and no Gerti? And am I allowed to say what you said in the car? You don't know what I'm going to say. So Gert says to me, he says, this is why you have someone who's not a Christian in the car. <laughs> he says, you're taking a massive chunk of peanut butter, put it under his shirt. <laughs> I'm finally, I'm finally confessing the truth. And if you go into the Baptist church here in Stellenbosch on the second pot plot from the left, I'm not even kidding. For over a year, that peanut butter, guys, you should not eat peanut butter. It can't be doing anything good to your body. It just got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It just dried up, but it's probably still there. I'm serious. Carry on. Sorry, I just wanted to. That's the night that New Gen graciously, wonderfully, the elders sitting here today, when you sent us out as one hope. And then we've had many of these. Look at that. Guys, just on that one. This is a photo of everyone from One Hope at that wedding. It's been remarkable to me over the years. The, the, just the, the importance of where you choose to go in your community, the people you end up marrying, your closest friends. So many of them come from the church, come from where you go. Keep on going. That's family camp this year. Worship nights. Haven't done those for a while. It would be great to have those. Do you remember that? The Zoom years, long may they be gone. <laughs> Johannes preaching on Zoom, something or other, <laughs> looks, looks happy. I think it's Seb just worshipping. I don't know who that is, but I love that one because my girl is standing right in the middle, just worshipping Jesus. That little boy playing football at the launch, preaching his heart out. Serve Stellies. I don't know, Devin must have snuck that in because he's the projection guy. <laughs> what, a, what a gorgeous picture. I asked for it, I'm just messing. This was now, this was our calling camp. This is the calling academy. We now do the camp each year. This was, Robsy, this was the last one, right? First one. It's not this one, the one before. Okay, now this is great. Look at this. This is Petey. And I do not know how this translated into the next picture, but men, take note of that, all right? Take note of what that looks like, and then go to the next picture. <laughs> he married the girl. Right, so something about, you've got to do that pose thing. This was a moment earlier this year where we told you guys that we were leaving. And then one more, precious picture of you guys coming in to lead this precious, precious church. And those are just some more of the reasons why we can't wait to do this again. Because God has met with us. Because God has changed us. Because God has revived us. Because God has glorified His name among us. Because God has taught us and corrected and challenged us. He's taught us honesty and vulnerability. He's helped us when we've made mistakes. He's helped us when we've been absolutely dwarf. And who wouldn't want to do that all again? Really, who wouldn't want to do that all again? 
I know we've probably like got so little time. Can I do a few more? I mean, it's hard to say no, right? I've got the mic. And... But we can't wait to do this again because of this little girl. Do you know who that is? This little girl on the right is Sarah Hyde Brown. That guy second from the left is me with my skinhead. Pete, Jan, Campbell and Jared. I lived with this family when I was 18 years old and it profoundly changed my life. And they moved to Somerset West and we literally followed them down. That's how we got here. But then that little girl grew up and came to university here in Stellenbosch. And some of you in the room came to know Jesus because of her. Isn't that incredible? Literally, in this room, some people came to hear the gospel for the first time through Sarah Howard Brown. And many people in this room love Jesus more because of her. Some of you can even say amen. Or not. (laughs) And then her and her future husband, Joel, led us and led, led our students so well. They led our students for years. And then, and then this happened. They got married. And then in December a few years ago, we stood in prayer with her and their family after complications post the birth of their second child. And then Jesus decided to take her home. And I remember writing in my journal at that time, two little kids, and just my heart was breaking. And Jesus led me to a verse that I don't know if I've ever read, I have read it, but I don't remember reading it, and it was Isaiah 57, the righteous perish and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace and they find rest as they lie in death. And I get it a little bit, but honestly not really. Not really. And I think many of us who knew her and loved her, the sweetest of people, We'll ask the Father, what, what was that all about when we get to heaven? Is it hard? It feels unbearable at times, some of these moments. But let me ask you this, if you could do it all again, would you have Sarah in your story? If you could do it all again, would you worship next to her on a Sunday morning? Would you go to life group with her? Would you hear that laugh? This little girl that I knew from when I think she was four, three, three or four years old. Would you hear that laugh ring out in this congregation again? I absolutely would. Every single time. And even in the greatest loss and suffering, we still can say as a church, we can't wait to do this again. Because Jesus gives all of us a hope that this world is not the end. A joy and peace that passes all the information on the table in front of us. And a history of others who served Jesus and also been taken so young. We don't have a right to long life. And this is, it's not rah-rah. We weep, we mourn, we grieve. But always we have an eye on eternity and on remembering that we keep doing it right here, right now. Until Jesus comes to take us home. It's like that beautiful passage in Hebrews 11 where it's the passage of faith. And I love it so much because it speaks about things that my heart just leaps and it goes, he says, I don't have time, you know, just like me. Then he carries on. I don't have time, he says, to tell you about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, listing all these people. David, David didn't even make a list of like a little paragraph, right? And then he says, to tell you about those who were rescued from the sword, who snatched their children out of the fire. He speaks about these great exploits. He says, they led nations. 
And my heart goes, Amen! Let it be so, Lord. And then it goes, And those who lived in sheepskins, and the world was not worthy of them, and they wandered around and they lived in holes in the desert. And he commends them both for faith. And I don't think the modern church is too keen on that second group in Hebrews. We stop at that little verse. Right. We need to take both those things. We can't wait to do this again because God created this to work in accountable friendships. Men and women who have been deep and true friends to us, who have co-labored and encouraged and understood some of the harder moments. People like these guys over there. Not the prettiest friends, but you're very, very nice. <laughs> Stephen Kaz, we want to thank you for being the most faithful of friends. Loving us year after year through the arguments, which Kaz was normally wrong on. <laughs> Not really. I've had to eat humble pie a lot in that relationship. Through realizing that we're definitely not all that and still being keen to partner with us, still being keen to love us, still being keen to serve Jesus with us. Moments like, like this. Whew, those are good moments. Moments like this. <laughs> Stephen, Glenn and I at least had the, the, like the wherewithal to hide our faces. Steph just stay there with his dirty thing on. <laughs> People like this. Steve and Anna, thank you for joining with us, man. Didn't, every single time I picked up a, a phone, Steve was there. I think it's because he thought I was inviting him for golf. <laughs> I was trying to find a photo of us together, and it just like golf digest. What a friend you've been to me, Steve. Thank you, my friend. More recently, Ryan and Kate. Again, golf, I don't know. Lex and Joe, who couldn't be with us here today. These guys have been faithful friends to us. Pete and Jan. Years and years and years. Unwavering love from that that couple. It's men and women like this who have held up our tired arms, encouraged us when we felt like quitting, opened doors for us, loved the unlovely bits of us, had difficult conversations with us. You guys have been incredible, and we want to say thank you. And then to those who have lived in the closest quarters of our lives, leading with us, being amazing friends to us, figuring out discipleship with us. Guys like this guy. Unfortunately, there's the, you guys have no pictures as a couple, but you can just see Debs in the background. That's actually also, that's also on the launch night. And guys like this, just keep on going there. You can keep going, Bixie, if it's... Remember that? All the new gen elders together. Precious picture. Josh and Sands there. There's a meal together. Josh and Sands, eldering in this church for years, even before we were here. Eldering with Steph and Kaz. Not playing golf for a change. Precious elders, precious team. And then precious friends, looking after our kids while we've been away. Reading stories, all things. Going to be a good dad, PD. Our precious Friday friends, Kate's discipleship group, my group, 
We just eat food, really, this group. It's a good group. Oh, wait, you can wait on there. From the bottom of our hearts, I don't have time to say much to you guys, but I want to say thank you. We love you, and it's been such a privilege. And then last of all, but certainly not least, on a very personal note, we can't wait to do this again because of these little guys. That's apparently dressed up as mom and dad. (laughs) But the wrong way around. So, again, we can't wait to do it again because of this, the impact that this has had on our children. Guys, do you know how much they love you? Do you know how much they love this church? That was just last weekend at the prayer meeting. I just got a sneaky photo of my, my daughter and my sister praying together. Do you know how difficult it is to get them to go to another church? On our sabbatical last year, this is, oh, that's, that's their treasure from family camp. So if you wonder, if you wonder why family camp is so expensive, it's because my kids took all the juice. <laughs> but they've tasted true community here. That's what they've tasted. They haven't learned being meaningfully part of a committed gospel community because it's God's idea of what is good for us. They haven't learned that from me. They've learned that from here, from you guys. And those are the little guys, but we also can't wait to do it again because of these not-so-little guys. We've been the greatest benefactors of every preach through these last nine years. Jesus doesn't grow anybody in the congregation like he grows you in your preaching. Honestly, God has done so much in our lives that it feels like we're completely different people from, from the people who were prayed in there nine years ago. That was upstairs in the same, the same building, up the top over there, nine years ago, to the Sunday. We didn't plan it like that. We just only remember the last couple of weeks that it's to the Sunday, nine years ago t- today. We can't wait to do this again because God has been so ridiculously faithful to us as a family and as a couple. Friends, I want to mark a change of season now. We're not leaving one hope, just to make sure there is clarity. We, we are. <laughs> But you know what I mean? We can't leave one hope. One hope is in our hearts. You guys, this community, so much of our lives are invested here. You're our shares. Really. We will carry one hope in our hearts as a family forever. But today our role changes. It's done. I'm so grateful that our swan song was Ephesians. We didn't know as elders when we began planning that series and felt to preach it that it would be the last kind of main series that I'd be part of really preaching. And in Ephesians, we see God's plan for the world in Jesus at the end of, at the, as the head of his church. And the church is displayed like a giant billboard as you drive into a city or a town. There's a huge billboard. That's the church. That's Christ and the head of his church. And God chose in his manifold wisdom, Nochal, like multifaceted, looking at it from every aspect. He's got all the picture and still God chose this church, right? Capital C, the church. With all the information on the table, God still in his manifold wisdom chose to use the church to display his glory to the watching world and even those in the universe and the authorities and powers that may be out there. Not a plug for aliens. 
And when you read the Bible a lot, as, as many of us try to do, you basically realize that one of the key messages of the Bible is this. God looks at a dwarf sheep. That's us. That's you. That's me. And he says, come on, dwarf sheep. How about you come with me and let's go take over the world? Seriously, that's one of the key messages of the Bible is God partnering with his people. And this is the same God who this guy, Abraham Caper, so helpfully said, this, he, he said there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. That God who can say, mine, over every little square inch. The same God who doesn't need us for one single thing. He doesn't need us to fulfill a single thing that his power cannot fulfill in and of itself. He says, come on, Paul, fill in your name, Dorf Sheep, whatever it may be. Let's go and take over the world. How improbable is that? How absolutely unbelievable, gobsmackingly foolish does that sound? And part of that plan, God's incredible plan, is to put leaders in the church who are shepherds and servants, servant hearted, who lay their lives down in sacrificial service for the sheep, sheep, as Jesus teaches them, who don't posture and preen and seek for position or promotion or personal benefit, who, as Jesus succinctly said, don't lord it over you. As the Gentiles do. And one hope in these leaders, in your elders, I want to commend to you today men like this. I want to honor the elders who have led us here. Mark and Alna Tennant led this church for the first year. Chris Nadell, you'd remember that. Stephen Kaz led for three years. Two years. Felt like three. Because you were so good is what I mean. I want to honor Josh and Sandy. I can't find a picture of you guys like actually looking at the camera, but there should be one of you. It gives a vague impression. Is there one? Yeah. Thank you. Josh, I don't know a man who loves the local church like you do. I don't know a man who's poured out his life like you have as an elder. It's been unbelievable. Ollie and Debs. Miss Family. I want, to elder, I want to honor the elders that we have today. Look at this old picture that we pulled out. <laughs> I mean, right? This is what happens when you just give it a few years if you go to the next one. <laughs> hey, all clean cut. <laughs> Go to the next one for me. Gardens and Ali being ordained. You see Steve and Anna there. And the last one, Nathan Mans. Guys, I'm confident, one hope, that we have such men. They don't lord it over you. They don't preen. They don't jostle for position. And this transition has been a testimony to your guys' humility and your prayerful dependence on God, the trust you've shown has been extraordinary, my team. And today, I pass what leadership baton they have graciously allowed me to carry in this team over to them as elders to take forward as a team until they pass that baton on in grace to ask Gareth and Nadine 
to the lead role of leading this team somewhere next year. I want to honor you guys, and I think it's entirely appropriate to honor your wives as well, who pay a huge price for the role that you play in caring for this church. After all, God made you one in marriage. I want to honor you for being men of integrity and character, for wearing your hearts on your sleeve, for the sacrifices of time and love and prayer for this church, and for transitioning this process beautifully. Well done. I have some things I want to share with you, but I'm not going to do it now. I'll share them with you personally. And then I want to charge Gareth and Nadine, the incoming leaders. I want to commend you to these church, to this church, to these people. I want to ask you to love them with all of your hearts. I'm so excited you guys are coming. I am so excited. Every moment Kate and I have had with you, we just go away and we just feel more and more happy that you guys are coming and that we asked you as a team to come. I want to, I want to charge you to care for this church as Christ's own bride. I want to ask you to be strong and courageous with them. I think of Paul with the Ephesian elders. Bates read it earlier where he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. All of it. But I also ask, I want to ask you to be grace-filled and gentle with them as one who knows themselves what it is to need God's gentleness and grace in your own lives. More than anything, I want to call you to prayer. I want to ask you to pray for these people and to look to the one who makes things grow while you sleep. God wants to do things through your guys' leadership in this church, in that town, that he couldn't do through us. Isn't that a cool thought? On your low days, I want you to remember that God brought you here. It's so clear. This process has been, the gift of this process and taking time has been that we are so sure that God has brought you here. And I want to commend you to give it a go. Don't die wondering. Don't die wondering. Have faith. Lead this team with faith to follow every whisper of the Holy Spirit into obedience, even if it seems doff. One hope. Can I charge you towards Gareth and Nadine? I want to ask you to follow them well. I want to ask you to have grace for change. Grace for them. Don't forget the human aspect of lead elders coming in to lead a church that they don't know. I want to ask you to pray for them. I want to ask you to find moments to encourage them. Don't assume that Gareth knows his preach was great. Tell him. Tell him. Encourage him. I want to ask you not to compare. Both ways around. We don't need your comparison. They don't need your comparison. Gareth would have got back to my email. I know he would have. I didn't. Go to Jesus. He'll heal you. Right? Don't compare. Don't ever say, Paul and Kate would have done this, or we were their friends. Just God knew that there was a different couple needed to lead this church into the next season, and we are so grateful for that. So don't compare. I want to ask you to give them time. I want to call this church to no early exits. As a father exhorting you in the house, I want to ask you, don't exit. Not a cheap exit. Give it time. I want to call you as a church, one hope, to talk with honor. 
too long, the wrong conversations have been happening in the wrong places in the church of God. You know, we speak about this regularly from this pulpit. Unity in the church of God. Unity in the church of Stelis. So many issues in the church would just be fixed if you were just... Until you're in the right setting, in the right place, with the right people, talking the right things. So much would just be shut down. The devil doesn't have to work all that hard because Christians are working so hard for him. Don't sow division. I know that's not what you think you're doing when you're yakking at the briar or you're talking over a coffee. But you are. Don't sow division. One hope. Refuse to be part of corridor conversations, those whispered conversations outside of the room that you should be having in the room. Find your courage. doesn't matter if you've spoken to them and they didn't listen. Find your courage again. Find your courage again and have those conversations. Be honest. Be courageous. And for goodness sake, add momentum. Why are we doing it like this? Can't we do it a different way? Sure. But why don't you give it a good try first? Add momentum. Come with a heart ready to serve. Embrace what God has done in his time. He has made it happen. And for goodness sake, guys, have some fun. Right? Have some fun. This is a glorious thing. Why don't you stand with me? Finally. You know, I thought, what's the worst that can happen? I'm leaving. (laughs) I want to read over you a prayer from Ephesians. Where else? Paul says, when I think of all this, Ephesians chapter 3, and when he says, I think of all this, he's, being, he's talking about being made alive in Christ. He's talking about the incredible blessings we have in Christ, the unsearchable wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God in the church. He's talking about oneness in Christ. He's talking about all these things. And then he says, I pray, now I want to pray this over you, one hope. Why don't you close your eyes? I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand one hope as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. May you experience, not just know it in some head knowledge place. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. Just pray that under your breath. Infinitely more. Able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, as I stand in this congregation, 
one last time reading your word over precious sheep that you have entrusted us for a little moment in eternity to shepherd under the great shepherd. I commit them to your care. My responsibility ends, Lord, but yours never does. It never, ever does. Thank you that you're with us in our hardest moments. You're with us in our most joy-filled moments. Thank you that you're with us in our rooms and on our walks and in our cars. Thank you that you're with us when we worship with brothers and sisters. We love you so much, Jesus. And we love these people and commit them to your care. In Jesus' name. Sharon and the team are not going to lead us in a song. Later. The song was about gratitude, so you can sing it in your heart. We'll sing it in a minute. Um, what I really want to do in an appropriate moment, just stay here, please, Paul, and invite the whole family up, all up here and the kiddos, and those who are going to be praying for them. So in this moment, we don't want to just want to say thanks, Paul, and cheers, and good luck, but we actually want to commission this family to go and be Jesus' hands and feet into the UK. Yeah. So those who are praying for them, can you come up? And the Hudsons, uh, Mom and Dad, the OGs, you, can you come up you as well? Come pray for us. Zan and Derek, come pray for us as well, please. And um, as these uh, prayers are being prayed, won't you pray along in your hearts uh, for this family and really lift them up to the Father as we send them out? Uh, just before we begin to pray, um, Paul and Kate and family, I really felt this passage, I'm going to read it in the NLT uh, over you guys, and uh, we'll pray in just a moment, but wanted to read it because I, I believe that there's two particular things in this passage for you. Firstly, from verse 10, for God is not unjust, he will not forget how hard you have worked, and here's the most important thing, for him. And how you have shown your love to him by caring for these believers, as you still do. And uh, Paul and Kate and family, God has felt your love for him as you've loved his people. Just like you know there's no way to a parent's heart than someone loving your child, or you've loved his children. And he's felt your love for him. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as lo life lasts. Keep doing what you've been doing. Do it again. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, and I really feel this is about the future, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. And um, looking back, well done. Looking forward, enter into all the promises of God through faith and endurance. God bless you guys.
Should I pray? Are there other guys who want to read things? Or? So, obviously, um, uh, just tracking your story thus far and knowing something of what's ahead, um, I landed in Isaiah 49. And uh, it says, The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. He hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant in whom I will be glorified. And just sense that um, something of what God would send with you is Isaiah 49, that there's been this time and seasoning, season of being polished and being primed and readied. And as you go, he's going to hide you for a season. And uh, there's something precious in that hiding. There's something of the waiting uh, on the Lord in that time and the waiting in him. Uh, but there's going to be a release. And from that would be the testimony of these are my servants who serve for the glory of the Lord. Your hopes and family, I just feel that the Lord wants to remind you that you are already blessed. And in Psalm 84, it tells us why you're blessed, because blessed are those whose strength is in God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And uh, you guys are already blessed because your strength is in God and you've set your heart on pilgrimage. You're saying, as a family, we're going to follow the Lord. And Paul, you're a strong guy, but your strength is in the Lord. And I've seen your healedness to him, uh, which is a beautiful thing. And then I feel that there's a promise for you guys, that as you pass through the valley of Bacar, you make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains cover it with pools, and you're going into a place that is spiritually barren and hard. But you guys, because the Lord's with you, and your strength is in him, and he's blessed you, you're going to make it uh, a place of springs. And then he's going to send his rain. And you are going to go from strength to strength until you appear before God in Zion. And uh, Kate, I felt a particular word for you that um, in your disposition you like to deflect. (laughs) If the focus is on you, um, you don't like it and so you deflect. But in the season, you are going to reflect God's goodness and grace. (laughs) You're going to reflect God's goodness and grace to people who don't even know that they need it. And there's uh, the season change from uh, deflecting uh, to reflecting the goodness and grace of God. Yeah, amazingly, I had um, I had a couple of scriptures, and one of which Steve has just um, taken from me. <laughs> we didn't even know, but I had exactly the same scripture for you, um, just with that whole thing of be, your hearts are set on pilgrimage, and there will be hard times and good times because that's life. And but that God is so faithful, He will nourish you. Those streams will be there to nourish you in those times. But um, as I was praying for you, I had this picture of like those Nike ticks. And, um, but it was like the Lord was branding you as his sheep, um, branding you with a tick in your hearts. And it's by his grace, he's been able to put a yes in your spirits that you've said, yes, Lord. And primarily you're saying yes to the gospel. 
and because you recognize the high worth to the gospel and you recognize there's a cost because it's been painful and it's can be painful the hot iron to be branded there's been a refining and a pain as you've processed this yes there's been questions there's been some pain elements to that but there's a mark of ownership and it's a yes in God by his grace and he wants you to know he's delighted with your less with your yes and um he goes ahead of you in that, and, and that's a work of his grace and ownership. And also just, to, you know the worth of the gospel, it's the unstoppable grace of God that's in work in, at work in you, and that he wants to take that on. And as you go on, um, he wants you to be like Joshua, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord... I haven't got my glasses. Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And then just to end with, um, just for the community as well, just for all of us, um, the community sending and you as you go, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That your way may, your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. And as this community sends you out, there's going to be a blessing on it as well because his name is going to be made known and um, you're going to bless the nations through that. Just going to pray for you guys. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you've been so present with us this morning. We thank you for the blessing of this family, Father. We thank you that you are the God who redeems and restores. We thank you that you are the God who takes rough stone and purifies it and uh, turns it into diamonds, Father God, and just this wonderful work that you do, King. And I thank you for the work that you've done in their lives. What a, what a blessing it has been to be a part and to be a witness of the work that you've done through their lives in this church, Father God. We are grateful recipients of the fruits that they've brought in this church through you, King. Authenticity, a gospel-centeredness, fun, joy, uh, a faith. Father God, we thank you, and I pray that you would sustain those things, Father, in this church. By your grace, sustain them, King. And I ask as they go forth, Father, may you uh, enable them to be like kind of master um, farmers as they go, and they they go and plow in new areas, Father God. They go uh, produce new fruit, Father God, and I pray that they would do it as as Paul has exhorted us this morning. They would do it in a way that they can rest at night, sleep, depending on you, knowing that you're the one bringing the fruit. They wake up fresh the next day, put their hands to the plow, but at night they rest. There's no anxious anxious toil. They know you're the God who builds and you're the God who protects. And I pray that you'd continue to to keep them in that position, Father God. I pray especially for Paul. Help him to continue to be the humble man that he is, dependable man that he is. That he would wait on the Lord, and as he hears you, he would ha- he would hold onto the convictions that he has from you, no matter the cost. Father, I pray that he would lead boldly, 
I pray that he would trust you even more, Father. We thank you for even this past year that there has been this heart's cry for, Lord, show me where I'm going, show me what I'm doing, and just realizing, no, God's interested in what he's doing in your heart. God's interested in doing something in your character, and I pray, even in line with Steph's word around uh, kind of being hidden for a while, I pray that they would lean into what you're doing inside. What are you forming in them? What are you molding them to be, Father? I pray that they would trust you afresh as the one who molds the clay. They're the the clay and you're the sculptor and you will mold them and form them into something that is going to do a mighty work, King. And we pray with faith for the generations to come, for their lives of their kids, Father God, that you would do a mighty and powerful work through their kids, all of them, Father, through their families and their kids and the generations to come. That this would be a significant, as Paul was saying, a significant stone in the pile moment as they leave here and they remember what the amazing things that God has done through their lives and through their kids and the generations and generations that are to go. And we pray that your gospel would go out in faith and in beauty and in wonder, Father God, wherever you take them, King. Lord, we want to thank you for an incredible nine years that Paul and Kate have led us, Lord. We want to thank you that they have created a space, Lord, where as a family we can fellowship, we can have friendship, Lord, we can grow in our faith, Lord, we can be discipled. We just thank you for what One Hope is to us, Lord, and for just every way, uh, big and small, that you've used uh, Paul, that you've used Kate and the children, Lord. So, yeah, we praise you and thank you for bringing them to us, Lord just for these incredible years, Lord. And I pray that as they go out, Lord, we want to pray. Thank you that you go with them, Lord. Thank you that you are their provider, Lord. Thank you that you will lead and guide them. I want to pray for every one of them, Lord. I want to pray for the children. Uh, I want to pray for Kate. I want to pray that you would lead them into green pastures, Lord. Would you lead them into a place of spaciousness, Lord? Would you protect them, Lord? Would you guide them? Lord, I pray that each one of them would... Uh, grow, Lord, in the knowledge of you, in, in love of you, Lord, just in an incredible uh, knowledge of your love, Lord. Um, so, yeah, we pray, Lord, for your blessing over them as a family. Yeah, Father, we just pray right now that you will freshly anoint them with your presence and with your spirit and with power. I pray for Paul and Kate and for the kids, Lord Jesus, that as we commission and send and look forward to the good reports we will receive, that they'll go in the power of your might and empowered by your spirit. I pray for a freshness in their spirits even now, Holy Spirit, as you meet with them, as you affirm them, as you shower your love on them, as they encounter your wonderful presence. Uh, Jesus, we really ask for just a fresh outpouring over their lives of your presence and your love and your power to send them out and proclaim your gospel uh, with power and authority, Father, to see lives transformed and changed and molded into your likeness, Lord Jesus. Thank you that they are loved and affirmed by you as children and that you have wonderful and good work set before them. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for your wonderful well done over them. Lord, this... Uh this love that you have felt as they've loved your people. Lord, as we've heard in testimony today, Lord, I thank you for the well done. And I thank you, Lord, that there's more to come. There's an inheritance 
for them and their children. Lord God, I, I pray, Lord, strengthen their faith. Lord God, for the days where there's question marks and unknown. Lord, strengthen their faith. Strengthen their endurance, Lord, that they might fully inherit. Lord, we want them to fully inherit all that you have planned for them. And so, Lord, we pray, strengthen and encourage them in Jesus' name. Guys, just want to uh, read a quick text that I think is firstly to you guys as a Hudson family, and then it is something of a reassurance to the church today. Um, Zechariah chapter 3, and we see this vision that Zechariah the high priest, uh, well, Zechariah is given of the high priest Joshua, and he says this, and the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua. I just felt that God wanted to say to you, Hotsin family, receive the solid assurance of the Lord. And I felt like God wanted to say to you, church, you're releasing pastoral leadership, shepherds in this church today. That changes. I want you to release them in your hearts. But I want you to, in the same moment, receive the solemn assurance Solemn assurance of God to your hearts today, church. He has plan and purpose for you. And then he says this, walk in my ways. Walk in my ways. Family, I feel like God is saying you are walking in his ways. And he is wanting to see the beauty and the fruit and the love coming from that. And he says, keep my charge. Keep my charge. God has charged you guys on mission. You're moving your whole family to a new context. But he's saying, walk in my ways and keep my charge. And then he promises three three things. You will rule in my house. That God is going to give you a place of leadership. In that context. Secondly, he says he's, he's gonna have, you're gonna have charge in the courts. That's kinda like a public ministry out there in the marketplace. God is gonna use you guys in your schools that you go to, on the soccer pitches, in your friendship groups, in the jobs that you guys find, all of those things. He's gonna give you a place of purpose. And then lastly, he's gonna say he's gonna give you God promises he'll give you a right of access amongst the people. And I just felt like there's a key in that, that God is going to open up a right of access amongst the new people in a land which, okay, Kate, you can call it your own, but uh, the rest of the family is freshly coming to call it their own. So walk in his ways, keep his charge, and allow him to open up these three things. And, And One Hope Church, I felt that God was saying the same things for you. Walk in his ways. Keep his charge over this community and he too is going to give you guys opportunity to lead and influence this beautiful city that he's placed you in and he is going to give you rights of access into people's lives that will unlock fresh amounts of ministry in a new season of life and flourishing i believe that with my whole heart father we pray these things of the hotson family today right now on behalf of this community we release them into your hands we ask you for you to set them apart for this purpose in a beautiful way, every single one of them, Lord God, that you would set them freshly apart to your purpose and that they would go full of the spirit and wisdom to be a part of your plans and purposes. To this end, we release them and send them in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. 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 What a special moment. We love you, Hotsons, all of you, all seven of you.
Thank you, everyone, for praying. It's not every day that we get to experience these incredible moments of uh, transition, of God moving uh, his children to another land to go and do his work. And so thank you all for your uh, just contribution and prayer and presence this morning. What a special and incredible morning. Uh, we are going to continue the celebration outside uh, in just a minute and have some good food and so on. So enjoy that. And uh, please don't go, go uh, home. Let's hang out. Uh, let's uh, celebrate this special moment. Thank you, Hotsons. You guys are amazing. What a special moment. Thank you for honoring and remembering us and just lifting us up and not <laughs> taking the, the glory for yourselves as you always have done. Glory to the Lord. So we honor and love you guys.